This is the FM Gold Channel of All India Radio. In the program News Analysis, now we bring you a discussion on 5i Vision and G20 Summit. The participants are Anil Vadhwa, former diplomat, and K.D. Prasad, journalist. Prime Minister Narendra Modi concluded a very successful visit to Osaka, Japan, where he was primarily to attend the G20. But along with that, he had 20 meetings in the three days which included nine bilaterals with Japan, U.S., Saudi Arabia, Korea, Brazil, Germany, Turkey, Indonesia and Australia, eight polar sites which included countries of Thailand, Vietnam, France, Italy, Singapore, Chile, the World Bank and United Nations Security General, and of course two plurilaterals which are the Japan, America, India and Russia, India, China, and the multilateral in BRICS. Ambassador Wadwa, it indeed is a very intensive program. G20 itself has a very large picture. And if I were to ask you the big takeaway that India has from the first multilateral, bilateral and so many engagements for the Prime Minister in his, after in the second innings. I think it was a very important G20 meeting to attend for Prime Minister Modi in his second term. Of course, he has left his mark in the previous G20s as well. But looking at the agenda this time, which was before the G20, which is global economics and trade and investment, innovation, environment and energy, employment, women's empowerment, development and health. All these issues are the ones which are confronting India in a very large way. And Prime Minister at this G20 meeting wanted to leave his mark on and also to explain to the world what India has done as far as these particular fields are concerned. But of course in the larger picture of foreign policy and external engagements, he also wanted to emphasize on the biggest threat to India which is terrorism and cross-border terrorism, which he successfully did, in particular in the BRICS context. And the other big issue which has been facing India and the rest of the developing countries is the looming issue of digitization, data storage, etc., which, as we all know, has confronted many countries in the recent months because of the insistence of the developed countries to have a free flow of data across borders, which means that Countries which have not come up to the standard so far, mainly from the developing world, feel that they should have their own means of controlling their own data and therefore are not really sure about the future direction of this particular policy. In fact, at the G20 this time, the Japanese Prime Minister Abe made a special thrust to make sure that this was put on the agenda. Sensing, however, that there was not so much of a agreement on this issue, then finally it was pushed to the secondary place. But nonetheless, in the coming months and years, I think this is going to become a very important subject for which will itself become a bone of contention within the G20 itself. Ambassador Watwa, as the world people are talking, the data is probably the new oil, and we already having a issue with many countries, including America, where we are talking of data localization. But today, Prime Minister outlined his vision, how to maximize digital technology for social benefit. And I think the intervention in G20, he talked on in the subject of digital economy and artificial intelligence. I think the focus was on inclusiveness, the five eyes which he identified, inclusiveness, indigenization, innovation, investment and infrastructure, and international cooperation. Now, this is something we just flagged, so can you elaborate a little on that? Yes, I think this again is pronouncement which has been made taking into account the peculiar situation that India finds itself in. As you know, India is a large population and has therefore a large storage of data. The Foreign Secretary in his explanation to the press 
and the media in fact talked about digital data being the new wealth and therefore he made it pretty clear that india requires some time to come up with its own policy on how data should be stored and shared across frontiers and although the japanese prime minister has also talked about making sure that there are the rights of privacy of data would be respected that means the sharing of data would come with some caveats but at the same time i think it is the countries who would like to decide for themselves how they would like to share this data with the rest of the world in fact the chinese have made it pretty clear that it should be left to the individual countries on how to control this data within a specified framework and that means that they have already thought through this process quite early compared to the other developed world and then when the prime minister talked about these five eyes he obviously had in mind the fact that investment in the infrastructure of digital economy is very important for developing countries so in a sense he was talking about most of the developing countries not just about india ambassador before the osaka summit actually took on we had a briefing in delhi by the sherpa one of the issues they said was japan was very keen on 5.0 something which they're talking of how the artificial intelligence everything else is taking up along with the fact that how data what is also talked of the fourth industrial revolution this again is data intensive it's also connected with cloud it's also connected how do you bring the outer space cyberspace on the ground so this is something the world is also looking at and how do you think this figures in our calculation you see the osaka declaration the draft osaka declaration on digital economy which japan was very keen to get a consensus on has actually been signed on to by just 24 countries and groupings so countries like china india south africa for instance brazil they are not part of this osaka declaration as so obviously it shows a clear divide and the fact that countries which are less populous more developed would obviously like to be more liberal in this respect and data can be used for various purposes it can also be used for innovation and in terms of innovation because of the fact that the chinese nation is far ahead now compared to other developing countries they actually understand what it entails to protect their data and to part with it at a price which is also one other part of the story so therefore the osaka declaration is a beginning i think we are going to see a lot more in this respect in the future because what the japanese have been pushing for is actually an overarching framework promoting cross border data flow with what they call enhanced protection which has been already talked about by prime minister abe and xi jinping on the other hand as i mentioned earlier he also said that digital economy is something which needs to be controlled individually by countries themselves so india is seeing the potential of data it's actually in a way hedging its best bets even if it breaks ranks and on this with the US and Japan which are very close to India at the moment politically speaking ambassador if one looks at a lot of strategic writers many people who have been talking about this whole what you mentioned to a digital economy along with that data and technology in this sphere many are suspecting or anticipating that this could be the new kind of a flashpoint or a battlegrounds battle lines drawn between those who have the technology and those who don't have the technology are in the process of acquiring a technology so do you see something similar or is it little more than anticipated i think that's fairly correct as an assessment because there seems to be a major discord between the major developed countries in the g20 on one side and india and china indonesia south africa for example 
on the other. And these concerns were actually articulated by Minister Piyush Goel on 8th and 9th of June at the G20 ministerial meeting on the subject, where he said that the digital divide actually requires training and creation of a digital infrastructure first in all countries before before we can talk about data sharing. And of course, while Japan has put forward data flow with protection of personal information, intellectual property and cyber security, these restrictions are actually more suited to the developed world rather than the developing world because they are not even close to achieving a certain level of proficiency in these areas. If I were to look at the other aspects of G20 before we move on to the multilateral there was one on the health section where the Prime Minister did mention that on health, uh, five A's which he talked about access, affordable, appropriate, accountable and adaptable. He said India has also added Ayush which is the Ayurveda, Yunani, the other two streams of medicine, homeopathy and Ayushman Bharat which is the affordable health care program. So he was articulating India's idea of how health and the one issue that affects everybody in the world. Yes, again, I think what is the Indian model right now seems to be universalization of health and affordability of healthcare. You know, looking at from that perspective, what we have in Ayush, through Ayush and, and the, its implementation of the healthcare system in India through Ayushman Bharat are actually all geared in the same direction. So they're all appropriate. They have accessibility, they have accountability, and therefore I think Prime Minister was right in pointing these out as schemes which are designed to make healthcare universal and affordable for India's large population. It's just a coincidence that these five principles had been elaborated, and since we have our own and they all start with the same alphabet, I think Prime Minister found it more appropriate to mention it in that context. Yes. So another important thing, of course, sir, the Prime Minister invited G20 members to join the International Coalition on Disaster Resilient Infrastructure. Now, yeah. That's something very significant for the fact that we all know, and since India is a disaster-prone area, and we have large zones which have been very well mapped, and that many countries in this region who are members of G20, say Japan or other, or Turkey, or, I mean, they've all had natural disasters, natural. So this kind of a international coalition, I think this is a new innovation again that the Prime Minister has put on the table. Yes, absolutely. And in fact, the Prime Minister has talked about this before. And given the fact that our Disaster Management Authority has been progressing in leaps and bounds and has done very well indeed in terms of managing disasters, not only in India, but also in our neighborhood, and started off with the earthquake in Nepal, if you recall. And after that, how India has dealt with typhoons which have hit our coast successively. And that's a feat in itself. And I think the National Disaster Management Authority is now branching itself out into various specializations. Uh, just today in Delhi, there was a very important meeting which was chaired by the Home Minister, if you had noticed that, where he talked about National Disaster Management Authority working closely with the Defense Research and Development Organization and adopting technology and innovation to ensure that there was technology which was applied to the practices and procedures and to share the new innovative technologies and equipment which they developed with the neighborhood. And that is something which has lessons for the future because there is a certain ambition here which we can see. India has been cooperating within the East Asia Summit with a number of countries who are members of the East Asia Summit in the region. And if you recall, you know, the participation of India was very prominent 
uh, when the tsunami started in 2004 so it's a tradition that has been kept up and i think we will go from strength to strength in this field and so other if you were to take on the intense engagement that you had outside the G20 now that is something quite a lot if you look at it. and i said it's very difficult to pick and choose which is more important or not but if you were to to blue lateral japan america india russia india china hmm. now this is two pictures in study in contrast but they have some similarities too yes they are. in fact it's a indication of the importance of india and the art of uh, balancing itself in the various camps so to speak that india has been included in both these groupings now as you know russia and china at the moment do not see eye to eye with the united states and japan in many policies and that is quite clear in the geopolitics of the region but india has been close to all of them and in fact is a able partner to all these countries and therefore with each of this set of countries india has its own priorities and policies which gel for example with japan and the united states i think the indo pacific has emerged as a point of convergence where they talk about how to ensure a peaceful indo pacific a stable and peaceful indo pacific but at the same time the means of doing so which is creating infrastructure which believes in certain principles and does not result in countries indebtedness and uh, secondly they also talk about the fact that it should be policy which should ensure freedom of navigation and overflights in this globalized world which is very important as well on the other hand as far as russia and china are concerned i think there is this concern about growing unilateralism protectionism and also the threat of terrorism and racism which these countries are subscribing to and india also believes in these principles and therefore that found favor with that kind of grouping at the g20 as you saw so there are different points of emphasis and india has because it is with these countries and all these points is able to share these concerns in both these groupings quite successfully thank you very much thank you very much you were listening to a discussion on 5i vision at G20 summit the participants were Adil Wadhwa former diplomat and KV Prasad journalist this program was produced and presented by the news services division of all india radio this program is also available on our website newsonair.com you may email your opinion about this program at airnsgtalks@gmail.com